Welcome to Blackberries and Blue Bonnets. This is a podcast by a couple of nerdy girlfriends who like to read <laughs> books and go off topic. Um, oh, yeah. Hope you enjoy today's episode. My name is Lizzie. I am I reside in Texas, so I am the Blue Bonnet component of our duo. I am a mom of three little boys and married for 10 years. I never know how to do these introductions because I mean <laughs> well I am Jackie I am the blackberries component which is the state fruit of Alabama I am the mother of four children three girls one boy also married for 10 years um we actually just had we didn't celebrate because we're getting there's too many things to celebrate now um the 13th anniversary of his proposal was oh was nice so yeah that was I never remember if it weren't for Facebook memories I would have just been like it was someday like at the end of February I don't I don't remember so it was not Valentine's Day so it wasn't that <laughs> no. level of cheese <laughs> no it was not he was not that cheesy I think he knew me well enough by then that I did not don't 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 no don't do the Valentine's Day proposal um but yeah, so, um, yeah, that was last week, this past, I don't know, this week has been a blur, I think it was maybe Monday. I'm trying to think, oh. where, anyway. where are we as far as, where, where are we as far as numbers? Uh, so does Today's that mean the 25th. you, no, 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 I'm thinking years, uh, so oh. wait, so wait, did you get engaged in 2008? Nine, then? I think. Nine. Yeah. Wait, wait. Maybe it was eight. No, it was no, not no, hard. <laughs> this is what happens when you are mothers of small children and you record after bedtime after you get everybody yes. down for bedtime. Yeah. Um Yeah, it was 2008 because I graduated in 07 and it was the year after I graduated. Yeah, see, I got engaged in the year we we had a very fast get fast engagement by a lot of people's standards not if you're um flds um i've been watching consuming a lot of that type of media lately anyway that's another topic um (laughs) no but we also so that means i've been i my husband proposed will have proposed 13 years ago this december this coming december not this past december because our 12th because our 12th anniversary is this august so you've been married 11 years, Lizzie, not 10. I know. I just realized that. Because <laughs> oh. I got math married in hard. 2009. Yes, math is hard. Math is hard. Yeah, I'm glad we got married in 2010 because that makes remembering how long we've been married very easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very easy. Very convenient. So anyway... I don't remember where we left off because we went through the snowpocalypse. You much more so than me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, obviously, uh, as as us recording this, this will be up in a couple of weeks just because life happens and we're trying to get a backlog of episodes before we start posting. But um, as of tonight recording, um, it this time last week, I was just getting power back. (laughs) Wow. Um, We we were without power for four days. So um, it was, it was, it was interesting. Um, One of my sisters keeps saying that uh, she really wishes that people would stop saying that people in Texas are just not equipped or don't know how to drive in snow and ice. And I'm like, well, it's kind of a skill. It's not just that we don't have plows and salt trucks and all of the trappings that the Northern states have. It is an actual skill that you have to learn and it's not something you're going to just do one time I mean yeah we know how to drive in snow and ice because um I lived my husband and I lived in Indiana for almost a decade um and it's something you acquire (laughs) but like my in-laws I know I don't think I know how to drive in snow and ice because I mean I've never really had the opportunity because in the last 10 years, 
when it has snowed, you know, it snows significantly, like enough to actually have road problems about every five years. So maybe two or three times I would have had an opportunity to drive in the snow, but I don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to go anywhere. And quite frankly, it's safer not to go anywhere, even if you're in the Northern States and it's super duper snowy. If you don't have to be on the roads, people don't want to be on the roads. Well, unless they're nuts, but (laughs) (laughs) that's a different category of people. So So you texted me. About Colin. Yes. So So much cringe. And I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, Colin at the ball. I'm like, oh, yes. All the cringe. Oh, my gosh. And it just got a truckload of cringe. So um, I think how this is going to end up going, because um, listening to the chapters, they're actually pretty short. They're actually shorter than um, some of the chapters of the children's books that I'm listening to on Audible with my kids as well. Um, So I want to say one was like seven minutes long. Oh, yeah. Some of them are really short. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm probably just going to be going. We're probably going to as we're going through this, um, it'll be chunks of like 10 to 15 chapters. So, um, I've in quote air quotes read chapters 16 through 30. So um, during that whole time, um, Parson Collins has just continually gotten more and more cringeworthy. Um, oh yeah. And not just cringeworthy. Cause I mean, if you watch him in the movies, he's just kind of, he just seems like he's a muttering, um, pompous, unselfaware, doofus-type character. <laughs> but in the book, holy crap, he is... He's, he is a douche canoe. He is an absolute oh, yeah. asshole. And it's... He's just... He's so belittling. And um, I know that some people are probably going to take some um, offense to me using this comparison. But I'm doing it out of um, interactions I've had with my, with my own life. He seems a lot like the people you suspect have undiagnosed um, high functioning autism or Asperger's mm-hmm. because, because when we were kids, that wasn't as diagnosed as it is now. And oh, a yeah. lot of people are getting diagnosed as adults. Um, but it seems like he's a lot like, especially the people I knew who were, I suspected were that way in academia. So the super duper, in their head, brainy people who just say these things and you're like, are you for real? Did you really just say that to this person? Oh, yeah. Or, And I'm just like, Ugh. And you're not the only one to, to feel that way. Like that is discussed by other people that go through Pride and Prejudice. Like he is just so out of touch with the social norms and just how to be a person, like how to talk to a girl and how to, more importantly, listen to anyone who's talking and to read social cues. Like he is just so out of touch with what's normal and so in his head about being holy and proper and how he has the patronage of the Lady Catherine de Bourgh. He's just so full of himself and super socially awkward yeah and he's i i mean as far as like i mean the title of the book is pride and prejudice and i feel like it's socially awkward and he's also he's got a level of pride there and he he Mm -hmm. has i I don't think he's got any humility in him at all and that is definitely apparent with how he speaks with charlotte the miss that's that's mm-hmm. her name right um who becomes mrs collins um and how he addresses lizzie um esp- partly when um he's proposing to her which oh my gosh it's like <laughs> the, the proposal the proposal was absolutely dreadful it's not like was obvious he had no attraction and he was just doing it because mm-hmm. 
it, it, he got it into his head and that Mrs. Bennett had put it into his head that this is what he should do. So the girls aren't put out on the street and blah, 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 blah. And then he goes around as he's talking to her. He's like not even trying to subtly insult her and her family. He is outright insulting them. And he has oh, yeah. just absolutely, he has no concept that he's actually being an absolute asshole to them and then uh then when a few chapters later when lizzie goes to visit um charlotte and collins after um they get married things he says to her about like how to properly dress and interact with his patroness (laughs) i'm like are you flipping serious like the proposal if i can back up for just a second the proposal he is like the worst person to ever have a hero complex oh my gosh no kidding is he is like you know let me honor you with my proposal and of course you're going to say yes like i'm just of course you will not let this chance go by so that i can save your your family from you know, letting the estate be inhaled away. Of course you're going to say yes to me. You know? Oh, and if you just say no, that's just how females operate. Like, right. please. And he, and he, and the whole, the whole um, pompousness of, well, if you speak, ladies always say no the first time. So even if you say <sighs> no, I'm going to come back and um, I'll just propose again. And it's like the first lesson ever in no means no. Yeah, seriously. But I mean, the the other thing that confuses me is um, I don't quite. So I know for the period and for a long, long time, um, the oldest daughter was supposed to be married off before the younger daughters or mm-hmm. and like um, I think we discussed this last time. Um, mm-hmm. Lydia's the youngest. Yes. It was really unusual for Lydia to have already been presented at 15. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a little bit unconventional now. And it was unconventional that Jane wasn't um, fully engaged and um, kind of captured before um, Mrs. Bennett um, was pushing Lizzie on to um, Collins. But personality wise, I don't know. For, first of all, I don't know why. Um, I guess it's because Lizzie is not Mrs. Bennett's favorite child that she was pushing um, <laughs> on there. But I just, I don't under, well, I understand from the writer's perspective of wanting the drama with Charlotte becoming the interloper and such. But I don't understand why Mr. Bennett didn't push Mary <laughs> onto Collins. Right? I just don't understand it. Because the thing is, Mary... I kind of like Mary's dialogue. She's got some really biting and kind of witty lines that she says. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, I feel like she probably would have been a really good match for Collins, even though that wouldn't have really been a, that wouldn't have created the drama that Austin wrote, has Mm -hmm. written into the story. But it's like, why didn't they just go, oh, well, you know, Lizzie's kind of full of herself. You know, you should really try courting Mary. She would be a wonderful wife for you and you know she's so accomplished on the piano and things like that and and she was already like very religious and very devout and very studious like she would have matched Collins perfectly in that way like they could have gone over four dice's sermons together and loved every second well and the thing is I don't as far as my impression of Charlotte's personality um I don't think so obviously Charlotte's thought was not obvious like we talked about last time it's not a love mm-hmm. match it's oh, no. it's what made se- was the most logical progression in her head and I mean if you were in her position and this was the era and you were like you know I could put up with him would you walk away from yeah. that probably not um but I don't think she's as good of a match as Mary would have been. Cause I don't get the impression that Charlotte 
is going to sit there and hang on his every word like Mary probably would have. Definitely not. And I wonder, I wonder what the age difference was between them because I'm, it's just occurring to me that Charlotte might have been older than him. Lizzie is 20, right? She's 21. Um, well, she's, she's 20, 21, somewhere in there. Right. So but that would put, that, Collins... that would put Mary at nineteen twenty. Yeah. Maybe as young as 18, seven, 19. 18, 19 in there. Cause yeah. we know that Lydia is 15. Mm-hmm. So we know Kitty is 16, 17, somewhere in there. Yeah. Cause obviously but... you have a lot of babies back to back. Yes. I know Charlotte is 27, but Colin's age is never, never discussed that I can recall. Why do I have a feeling he's 25 or is Wickham 25? I don't remember. I don't remember. But now, now I need to know. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm going down tonight. (laughs) uh, I was going to say, you're going to go down the rabbit hole because our luck with Anchor is that it likes to crash if we try to do anything else on our phone. Yes. And my uh, laptop is not upstairs, so, because I'm hiding from things. (laughs) But, yeah, so I was, uh, so we got to uh, this whole part where, um, backing way up to the ball where um, Lizzie finally dances with Darcy and you can, you can tell that Darcy is absolute. He's, he doesn't want to be, but he's actually smitten with her. And then Collins is mm-hmm. the buffoon because he has to introduce himself. It's only proper. And you're, you're just sitting there going, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure you do this every single time since our personalities are so similar. But did you do you physically like hurt and cringe when that happens? Yes, yes. It's like, oh, don't do yes, it. Don't. I just, do I, I was just, I was home alone and doing dishes and laundry, and I was just like, oh no, no, oh, oh, bad idea. Oh, and then I sent her a text about it because it was just like, it's not proper to introduce yourself. You have to be introduced by someone who is a mutual acquaintance. That's how it works. Right. And I don't, anyway, I just Googled and Mr. Collins is 25. So yes, Charlotte was older than him. Okay. So she was definitely, I feel better now. She was definitely in the spinster realm. And I mean, as far as we know from, I I mean, I know Adam, the Adam ruins everything um, episode about female fertility. Um, debunked some of it a little bit but I think it's really dependent but there is a drop in fertility after your 30s so that's part of Mm -hmm. where I suspect the spinsterism came in to play Mm -hmm. um, during this era and I mean all around on both sides of this era so she would have been an old mother so there's a reason that she was again oh he's eligible oh he's going to um, inherit the Bennett's property Mm-hmm. Oh, he's set up with um, Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Yeah. Um, he has a living. I can have a home. I will not be reliant on my little brothers when my parents die. I'm not going to be destitute. I will have my own home. I, will be com- I can run my own I home. I will be comfortable. So why not? And I'm smart enough to think of ways to keep him busy so he's out of my hair. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, you did know, I did notice that when she was, um, when we had the interaction between her and Lizzie, and uh, she was able to say things to kind of get him off onto another tactic. So I'm sure it's a mm-hmm. skill that she has developed since being married to him. Definitely. Like, and especially in the movie, like, the way she cuts her eyes, like, the BBC one, the way she, like, cuts her eyes at Lizzie, like, oh, yes, walking is quite good for his health. Like, he's busy. Yeah. And I like this room because he doesn't like it, so he stays out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, she has this all laid out. Like, she's just, she's basically mooching off of him. Right. And, no, and for the era, I, I honestly can't blame Charlotte for taking no. advantage of it. And I mean, the other thing is, I'm sure he, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is going to go into the after dark uh, realm, but <laughs> I'm sure it's a uh, scrunch up and just deal with it <laughs> situation in the bedroom. But she, 
But, Lay back and think of England. <laughs> yes, quite literally in this case. Um, yeah. But I, but I mean, the advantage of that for her is that once she's with child, it was considered improper to have relations once a woman was mm-hmm. pregnant. And then once the baby's born, she can be so involved with the kids that she has, she doesn't mm-hmm. even have to pay attention to him. Really. <laughs> it's, I mean, for the time, it, it's pretty solid plan. Yeah, no, seriously, for the time it is. I would not want to be in her shoes, though. <laughs> no, I mean, it's essentially a career. It's a job in a field that you don't love, but it's going to pay the bills. Right, exactly, exactly. So back to the ball. He's introducing himself to Darcy, which is all the cringe oh, dump truck my gosh. of cringe. I feel like that was even more cringeworthy than the proposal. Because yes. it's obvious 100%. that Darcy and everyone around Darcy is like, what the hell is going on? And the, th- the fact that Collins brings up time and time again that because he's part of the clergy, he is exempt from these social norms. I just want to, like, reach into the pages and take him by the by the lapels and shake him because it's like, no! And that's where it's just... That's where the whole thing of the uh, super high-functioning, unaware Asperger's came mm-hmm. in. I've got, I was just like... I mean, I know it's common these days to diagnose and think about things. I mean, we've all seen the thing where people have diagnosed the Winnie the Pooh characters with various maladies but it's just like it's just feels like it's such an example of how it's just awful (laughs) it really is he's so so terrible at the ball and it's it's so much worse than the proposal because at the proposal, it's really just Lizzie and the immediate family that is horrified and embarrassed by his actions and by Lizzie's refusal. Depending on who you are in the family, that's your reaction. But at the ball, he interrupts, he makes a scene, he's embarrassing the entire family in front of pretty much the entire town. He's probably embarrassing and- Darcy. Let's be honest. And Darcy. And yes. Uh, like he's, Bing- it's just awful. And Bingley was at the ball too. I'm sure Bingley is embarrassed. Yeah. Everybody is just probably looking at him like, good Lord, man. <laughs> Who, like, and they knew, like, he came with the Bennets. So, you know, instead of being like, "Who, who brought the imbecile? They knew. And so it's just what reputation the Bennets might have had is just, even more tarnished now because he's just such a buffoon right. and he publicly announced his title of being a buffoon. Exactly. So did I pick up um, between the conversations um, where Lizzie was talking with Wickham in this part of the book that because Wickham tells her, which I think is probably an outright bold faced lie that he was supposed to get the parsonage that Collins ended up getting assigned no he was supposed to get from my understanding he was supposed to get the parsonage for Pemberley okay he was supposed to you know dedicate his life to the church and become a a parson and live have the living at Pemberley okay because it just it just seemed like um when I can't remember the line and this is the disadvantage of listening to an audiobook instead of doing a paper book. Cause I can't make notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I felt like there was a line where Collins introduced himself somehow. I guess it was when they would have gone to town to see her aunt and uncle. Um, yeah. Because Collins went with them and they had Wickham over to dine with the aunt and the uncle. Um I feel like I felt like there was an interaction with them where it was kind of like Wickham was like, Oh, you're the one who took it. No, I think the, um, the exchange was more along the lines of, um, at least how I recall. And it's been, it's been a minute since I listened to that part of the book. Um, when they are introduced and then Wickham is talking to Lizzie and he says, I was supposed to have the same 
living. Like I was supposed to have the same career. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's more of, it's a jealousy that this absolute idiot of a man has got the living that Wickham was supposed to have. No, no. Like, um, it's more like if you meet, like I was supposed to also be a pastor. Right. And that's what, that's what I meant. It's, it's his jealousy isn't necessarily about the physical posting Mm -hmm. of the parsonage it's jealousy and kind of i wouldn't even say it's jealousy i think wickham uses it as an a lead to open up the conversation to lizzie to bash darcy like that's what i was supposed to be but instead i'm a lowly foot soldier with no living all because darcy shit on me Right, and I know I'm jumping. Right, and I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, but um, if from what I recall from um, watching the movies eons ago and reading the book initially, even longer ago, because <laughs> remember I read this in high school, and now I'm in my mid thirties, so it's been an even hotter minute than you. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I remember right, it's. It had to do, him falling from grace had to do with him being improper with the Miss Darcy. Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't that Darcy himself um, didn't necessarily think that he deserved it. It's his own actions made it. Oh, yeah. It's his own actions. He, He, like, and this is technically spoilers, but since we're on the conversation, Wickham... Darcy didn't deny the living. Wickham said, no, thank you. Let me have the money. And then he went and blew it Mm -hmm. and then came crawling back wanting more. And when Darcy wouldn't give him more, well, then he was just up a creek without a paddle and he had to become a foot soldier. But before that, he tried to woo Georgiana, Miss Darcy, and failed miserably. Thank goodness. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, that didn't, but that didn't work for one of the Bennett, the younger Bennett girls. Yeah, but <laughs> but, but those, yeah, that was, but that's not the story he tells Lizzie. Because... No, it's not because it wouldn't be advantageous for him to tell right. her that because he is he, by all accounts he is a con artist. Oh yeah, he's like gorgeous. He knows how to woo a woman, and honestly, like I know, I like I love. Lizzie like I identify with Lizzie I love Lizzie so much and I love you Lizzie but (laughs) (laughs) But, um she she has no advantage for Wickham there's no financial advantage for him at all so he's literally just playing with her for until something better comes along so that makes him even more of a scoundrel and even more of a douche because and then it's an, and then to run off with one of her younger sisters later yes. on in the book it makes him even that much worse yes. he's he is so terrible hate him hate 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 now i kind of want to watch um i've got the dvd for pride and prejudice and zombies and i don't remember if wickham turns into a zombie at the end or, at net or i not. have never read that and i've never seen it so we're gonna have to do that yes after we finish this we're gonna have to take it like a side quest and um yeah. enter pride and prejudice and zombies and yeah <laughs> <laughs> i will say that uh so a spoiler for the movie is there is a baby zombie in it and it was it was until that point that i was a fan of zombie like the zombie world apocalyptic genre i still love apocalyptic genre that's probably why what i read the most of um like sci-fi stuff but it wasn't until i saw pride and prejudice and zombies that i had to stop consuming as much zombie related (laughs) stuff because it hadn't occurred to me until that point that the zombification would also take over children and then I realized toddlers are already silent as tiny humans 
it's not humanity's downfall that the adult shamblers get you. It's the toddler zombies who end the world. <laughs> well, they get us anyway. Like, if your kid gets sick, you're going to get sick. You might as well call out from work. You're getting sick. You can't it, avoid it. But, but I mean, think about it. There could be these hordes of teeny tiny two and three year old zombies running around in packs like wild dogs. That's the downfall of humanity. It's not the adult zombies. It's the toddler zombies. I don't know. The last year could prove your your hypothesis incorrect. Yeah, but did this, does does uh, COVID nineteen really turn you into a zombie? No, but I'm saying like the adults are the ones not preventing oh, the spread. That's true. That's true. But no, I'm not saying it's it's not the spread. It's the hordes of toddler zombies they not necessarily they don't have to be infectious they just have to be ravenous oh yeah 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 that's that's what it is it's it's not necessarily getting bit by a toddler and um things coming to the virus it's they're gonna travel in packs and they're gonna be like african wild dogs and they're going to eat you (laughs) while you're still alive (laughs) think about it that's true absolutely terrifying that is true. I mean, I've got a toddler, like, she loves a frozen go-gurt, and so, like, I'll I've push it up, and she'll too. just gnaw on it, and then when it needs to be pushed up again, she finds me, and she shrieks at me, because words are, who needs words when I can shriek? Exactly. And so she shrieks, and slaps me with this cold yogurt on my leg, and I have to push it back up and give it back to her, and then she happily toddles away. So I'm just imagining, like, if my brain was the frozen yogurt she was after, I would be doomed. And And she's just one. And given how social toddlers are, think about this. They like being in groups together. That's why I'm saying they would be a pack. They would be pack animals. Definitely. Yeah, we would be doomed. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a tangent I was not expecting to go on tonight. (laughs) I, I... Full disclosure, even though it's line, it's been a day, so I had a cocktail. <laughs> <sighs> so Wickham's the worst. Collins is the worst. I'm not sure. I mean, I might decide as of right now, my most hated character is Collins. We'll see if oh, yeah. Wickham takes his place as I get further into the book. Um, my favorite characters are still, I still like Darcy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's awkward, but not in the completely socially unaware "I'm a buffoon" way that Collins is. It's the awkward of, oh my gosh, this girl is really pretty. Oh my gosh, she's really smart and witty. I've never encountered this before. <laughs> I don't. And know how she's to not act. afraid of him. Exactly. She's not intimidated by him, so she's gonna give it to him like he has never gotten it. She also. And- she he also likes does it. not care about his money, which yeah, is also care. which is also new for him. So it's mm-hmm. she's he's insanely attracted to Lizzie, but um, and I think she, because of how much time she spends thinking about it, him and obviously talking about him, and we know that they get together in the end. She really likes him too, but she's not going to admit it to herself yet. Oh yeah, she doesn't know she likes him, but she likes him. Yeah, exactly. And I have a feeling listening to just other people talk to her, especially Jane, Jane knows that they're mm-hmm. they're going to pair off. But Jane's the older sister who's not going to say anything because she's she's also kind of busy with her infatuation with um, Bingley. Bingley, yes. Too many yeah. B names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the other thing that I'm too. Um, Jane went to town. And Bingley's sister treated Jane like absolute garbage. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Hate God. Hate Caroline. Hate Car- Caroline. Caroline is just something else. She is. And she's, she's- and she's something else because she thinks that Darcy is going to marry her in the end. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. just determined that it's going to... That she's got this whole plan for her life and the whole plan of um, marrying up into older money. Mm-hmm. And it's 
it's really just she's one of those she's basically she's one of those go ahead. she's basically just a social climber she's a yeah, calculating she's social the, climber the caddy two-faced mean girl in every high school pop culture movie she's regina george she is regina george She is Regina George because she like she's just so terrible. Like, oh, we just love Jane and well, you know, Missy Liza. She's she's okay, but then Jane well, comes I, to town and yeah. Go ahead. And I know it's just a sticking point for me, but when they refer to her as Eliza, I'm like, does she really like that? Does she really like yes, being referred to I'm... as Eliza? Because because the thing is. For years, for years, people had tried to call me Beth and Betsy, and I don't like Beth. I don't like Betsy. Um, the the cutest thing is when I was nannying in Germany the first time, and because um, obviously, if you, I'm nannying in a foreign country, I'm trying to impart my language to the kids, so German speaking kids, trying to get them to speak English. Um, I was Yiki Beth. Or Yiki Bethy, which is adorable when it comes out of the mouth of a three-year-old. But I right. still, I'm not a Beth and I'm not a Betsy. So the fact that her family calls her Lizzie and she refers to herself as Lizzie mm-hmm. and her friends call her Lizzie when I feel like it's a slight. And Caroline knows mm-hmm. that it's a slight to refer to her as Eliza. Yep. And I know this is before... Um, I should look this up. The whole my fair my fair lady with Eliza. No, this would be before that, um, but because of Eliza Doolittle, in that, and it's if 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 it was contemporary, I could see how that would be like a reference to another piece of literature as it being a slight and what that they thought of. Well, well, no, she does think of Lizzie in that way that she's just this unrefined country girl Mm -hmm. even though she's part of the upper middle class yep and has been presented to court and all of the those things that went with being upper middle class in regency era england Mm -hmm. yeah it's totally just a little socialite dig at lizzie because it's technically polite she's not calling lizzie anything nasty but Lizzie never introduced herself as Eliza. She never told Caroline to call her Eliza. It's totally Caroline just being like, oh, your name is so long. I'm just going to call you this. Like if if I went around introducing myself as Jacqueline and somebody's like, I'm just going to call you Lynn. Yeah, exactly. That's not that's not my name. Don't don't do that. Yep. Or like um, one of my grandmothers went by Kathy, um, short for Kathleen, but that was her middle name. So if you, she always knew if people were, um, people were trying to solicit because they, her first name was Lynn. (laughs) So they would know if someone called and said, can I please speak with Miss Lynn, Mrs. Lynn Rinaldi? She'd be like, oh, she's not available right now. I get people that call for Jacques. Like, there's nobody here by that name. And I'm laughing. Because there's not. I am laughing my butt off because of our inside joke. Right. I know. <laughs> Which I guess now we have to explain. We don't have to explain. It can be our inside joke. <laughs> Listen, wonder. We'll get more subscribers. There we go. There we go. If you want to find out why Jackie being referred to as Jacques is so funny to us. We'll reveal it after we finish discussing Pride and Prejudice because yes, there is, we go. It is hysterical. It and is. I love it so, so much. Funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so where did you like end what I forget which chapter you said 30, 30 something? I think I ended at 30. Um, let me see if this will behave and let me look at Audible so I can see where I am at. So far, so good. As long as it doesn't hit play, it will be good. <laughs> yeah. I don't think uh, it would pick it up. Uh, book details. 
because I know it's been a while because you stopped listening after like the whole Colin. Yeah, and that was so that you could still be incensed about it. Yes, because I didn't want to like mix things because it was just like this whole big. And then, um, what did someone refer to it that made me laugh really hard? Apparently, a bunch of Texans are referring to it as Snowvid Twenty One. Oh, that's funny. That is funny. If you if you are completely unaware or have forgotten what happened, basically the state of Texas shut down for a week, <laughs> and parts of it are still shut down. So, oh wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, there are some parts uh, that still do not have water. Wow, it's dumb. Oh wait, do I need to say view in library to see my status? Um, out of 11, I think I'm about a third of the way through. Cause it says it's an 11 hour plus book and I have six hours and 43 minutes left. I know I'm around, I stopped around chapter 30. I think Lizzie, either Jane came home or Lizzie was going to Jane in town. So I had ended like, I had gone to the end of the Collins saga chunk right and then gotten to jane going to town and then the last thing i remember is caroline finally gracing jane with her presence so so coldly so i'm only doing this because i technically have to so bitchy just cold-hearted bitch and he's terrible i feel like she's fortunate that it was Jane she was going to see mm-hmm. and not Lizzie because if it had been Lizzie, Lizzie would have kicked her out. Oh yeah. But I'm done with your games. You two faced two face two facer and get out. Yeah, pretty much. But see, Caroline's hoping for an interfamily marriage. She wants to marry Darcy and she wants her brother to marry Georgiana. Exactly, because then it, everything will be tied up. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how that makes sense in her head, too, because I, I, I have a feeling that she's thinking, well, if, like, she would want to keep it in the family, but they would be first cousins all the way around. So there's no way that those two cousins could marry, correct? Because we talked about this in the last episode. They refer to, in um, Downton Abbey, they refer to um, Matthew as um, their cousin, but he's like something like a third cousin, four times removed or something crazy like that. It's not Mm -hmm. a first or even a second cousin relationship. Yeah. Because it was probably, I I, I looked at the family tree once because I got curious about it but that again was when my three-year-old was an infant because uh Downton Abbey was my um (laughs) maternity leave thing (laughs) I don't think Caroline is thinking about the marriages as like a legacy I think she's thinking in the short term the immediate acquiring of wealth and title like not not title but really combining um, being able to combine assets somehow mm mm-hmm and then, you know, Bingley, she wants her brother to prosper, and she probably knows that Georgiana gets 30,000 pounds upon her marriage, and so that would benefit her brother. And then if she marries Darcy, she knows she's going to be very well off, and so in that way, it would be all neat and tidy, and it, at that point, I don't think it would matter wealth-wise what their hypothetical children did. I don't think she's thinking about her children marrying her brother's children. It would just, she just wants the immediate acquisition of status. Because I, I don't feel like Caroline has a lot of. You don't think she's got like long term. Yeah. She, yeah. Like uh, in one of the groups I'm in, we were discussing, um, <laughs> this is. This is going to seem rambly, but I promise it will make sense. We were discussing the reason for um, someone like my age um, to get the COVID-19 vaccine, which I've gotten um, both doses. Thank God. Um, Mm -hmm. But the reason that someone like me who has um, 
a couple of heart conditions under my belt. That's why my last pregnancy was considered high risk, not just because of, and then it was, wasn't just crazy because of COVID. It was crazy before COVID became a thing because I was having mm-hmm. to get EKGs monthly and extra ultrasounds and all of those types of things. But um, it's not me getting COVID that is the worry for us. It is me getting COVID and then having what people have dubbed long COVID where you have Mm -hmm. lingering symptoms and you have lingering issues because of contracting COVID. And that's the entire reason for the vaccine. Even though I've got Mm -hmm. family members who, um, when I've mentioned, you know, we feel a lot better that I've gotten it. They're like, well, you can still get COVID. And I'm like, yes, but it's like the flu shot where if you, in the case of the flu shot, if they rolled the dice right and they got the right strains and you contract it, then you're going to be sick for two days instead of three weeks. Right. Or in my case, it's, it may not prevent me from going to the ICU, but it could prevent my heart from tanking in the ICU. Right. So shoot me up or I guess I've already been shot up, but I feel like that's, that's kind of the same thing is she's not necessarily looking at the, she's not looking at the, long COVID timeline. She's not looking at the long-term timeline, like you said. She's only looking at the immediate thing. Yep. Yep. Because she's a selfish, mean girl, and she sees Darcy. He's an attractive, very wealthy man, and that's, that's what she wants. She wants arm candy and a heavy purse. And Pemberley, because she goes on and on about Pemberley. That's what she wants. And she wants her brother to benefit as well. That's She's just thinking about that. So I'm wondering, I mean, girl, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about um, the other sister, aside from it seems like that she's married to a drunken gambler from the description that was in the book. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I wonder if it's part of her scheming has been she's seen what happened with this match with her sister too because I can't probably because I can't imagine that the other um sister is joyful in her marriage I mean the guy seems like he's just kind of a lump on a log that you need to water with some alcoholic beverage every night pretty much that's the impression I get that the Hursts are kind of the Collinses like Louisa just married Mr. Hurst because he was there and she needed to get married in order to not be a burden on her brother. There's not really any backstory. That's just my hypothesis, my thoughts. Um, Because she doesn't seem happy. It doesn't seem like a marriage. He does seem like a very just bumbling, drunken idiot. He's just there. He just exists. There's pretty much no interaction between Mrs. Hurst and Mrs. Mr. Hurst. They're, they're just there. So, yeah, Caroline is probably like, if my sister were more wealthy in her marriage, then she would be happier, at least in that respect. So she's probably aspiring to marry Darcy even more because I'm getting the impression Darcy is much more wealthy than Mr. Hurst. So then she would be... She richer and happier. Yeah, she would be able to. Well, I feel like it, in that case, if she would be richer than her sister, then she'd be able to kind of lord it over her sister. I mean, that's kind of how. Or spoil her sister. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, ditch your stupid husband. Come hang out with me in my mansion. We'll tour the grounds. We will, you know, go through the library. We can play on the pianoforte. We'll just hang out in my house. Ditch your husband. Like, let's let's chill here. So it might not be completely selfish in that respect. But, yeah, I think she's motivated by the negative marriage she sees her sister in. So I'm curious. We know the birth order for the Bennett girls. Do we know the birth order for the Bingleys? Like, is... Are the girls older than Mr. Bingley or? I don't know for sure, but I think 
Louisa is the oldest, Mrs. Hurst. And then I think Caroline and I think Charles is the baby. I'm seeing if I can Google it. I'm looking at it. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. It does go Louisa, Caroline, and then Bingley himself okay yeah because i had a (laughs) i had a feeling with how they were talking about him i mean i know that um 19th century um and i mean for the majority and even in some cases today there the emphasis is put on the sun but i got the feeling Mm -hmm. just listening from how they talk that they've got the older sister um mama bear stuff coming out yeah um with him so and the way, like, there's something about how they talk about Caroline is going to keep house for him. Like, I know that was a very common thing to have a woman in the household to direct the housekeeper who would then direct the rest of the staff, like the, the butler and all the other servants. So that that's pretty common in my head. Like, Downton Abbey, like, Cora would work with um, Mrs. Hughes and whatnot. So I understood that much, but the way they said it was just like, oh yeah, she's going to live here until she's married because she's old. Well, and I mean, and even, kind of thing. and even in, if it was younger, if, in the case of if it had been younger sisters, so like, um, let's say that Lydia didn't marry Wickham or anything, it would have been their duty. And so it'll follow Kitty and to Mary in this case, it would have been their duty to be the aunts who go and help the older married sisters Mm -hmm. with the children. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of um, how that whole world was set up. It it could have been either, either young or older, but just the way I, I can't remember specifics, but the tone that was imparted, like it's just, it's hard for me to describe just the tone of how it was communicated that Caroline was going to keep house for him. Something in there in between the lines was just like in an older sister kind of way like he's just a baby you know he needs caroline's help to maintain a house because he doesn't have a clue yeah even though if she had been younger than him the role would have been the same but just there there's something intangible there in my brain yeah yeah that's what i got too i mean obviously i figured they just they talk about him and to him like He's the baby. Yeah. So. And he is. So, yay, we were right. Yeah. So, um, I did bring up the whole, um, how much were Darcy and Bingley worth? Um, Wikipedia's article on Pride and Prejudice actually shows that. So, they say that he has uh, rumored to be worth at least 10,000 pounds per year. Um, the equivalent in 2009 was he would be making 660,000 pounds per year. And I actually looked up another article that didn't include all of his assets in Pemberley. So if you were going by that, he would have that and all of the assets on top of that are worth about, I think it, it said 14 million pounds. <laughs> so not bad. It's, yeah. That's not too shabby. Yeah, no, not too shabby. no. So, um, yeah, he's definitely um, the golden cow. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's a catch. Like, I mean, if this tall, dark, broody man walked into the ball, like, and then rumor went around, like, oh, he's he's worth $14 million. You'd be like, okay. Yeah. I don't care if he owns the miserable half of Derbyshire. It's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> That was a, a play on a quote from the 2005 movie. I don't know if that registered. <laughs> it didn't register, but uh, yeah. So I, I do ha- I do have to ask, do you like Colin Firth Darcy or do you like the 2005 Darcy better? This was actually a question in the big group we're in on Facebook. Um, and I kind of like mentioned our podcast that's up and coming. Like I can't tag it yet because we're still working on yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, and I didn't tag you because I didn't want you to read it and have like thought. So <laughs> I like I didn't want your perception skewed. I have to keep you as clean as slate as possible. <laughs> well I mean I've seen both movies so I have an opinion on that. But uh... still yeah. <laughs> I 
I like both movies because um, Siobhan tried to like egg me on into like a rant about the 2005 movie. I'm like, but I like them both. And she's like, oh, darn it. I thought I could get you going. Well, Siobhan and, so I, Siobhan like and I bonded because of um, neither of us are huge fans of Jane Austen. So. Yeah. But and she thought she could get me going, but, but I like them both. They both for different reasons. They both have different merits. Yes. I like the Colin Firth version because it feels more authentic to Jane Austen's idea of Darcy. I think he does a great, great job. He's perfect at staring. Like you, he doesn't have to say a word. You, you understand what he's feeling just by the way he looks across the room at Lizzie or at Caroline. Like you just know he's so good. However, I like the Matthew, is it Mac- McFadden or McFadden? I don't remember how it pronounced. I don't pronounced. know. I like the Matthew version. <laughs> uh, he is more believably awkward. He's also more my type as far as attractiveness. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I was going to say is I... I like Colin Firth as an actor, but I feel like mm-hmm. the other is more of an embodiment of Darcy and how yeah. I'm re yeah. especially now that I'm rereading it as a older person who's got more life experience and who is married and all of that. I feel like he's a yeah. better embodiment of the character as far as like the physicality, definitely... the physicality of the character. Yes. He's also more, he emotes more than Colin Firth does. So you get kind of more of a a raw look at his actual emotions where Colin Firth, you just have to translate his stares, which if you're not familiar with the character, you're just like, why is this dude being a creep and staring all the time? But once you understand the character, you're like, oh, oh, I get it. Like, I know what he's communicating in that stare. But with the the 2005 version, it's just so much more open. Right. And I think that that also has to do with the merits of the 2005 version being, is it two and a half hours long? It's a fraction of the time that the, um, call, that oh, the yeah. miniseries was, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, they had to do a lot more, like... Um, they had to make the characters more. They had to peel away. They some had le- to, fe- yeah. They layers. had to peel away some layers and make it so you mm-hmm. you got that immediately. Versus, yeah. um, you would have the time with the miniseries to go through and get to know and mm-hmm. get the rhythm of each character. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I I like both versions. You know, if I need a Pride and Prejudice fix, I'll turn on the 2005 version. Plus, the soundtrack is amazing. Yes, it is. Love the soundtrack. Yes. But then if I really want to immerse myself and say all the lines, of course, I know, like, all the lines of both of them, so that doesn't really matter. But if I really want to get into it, I will put on the miniseries. Because they're just, they're both awesome. And... You know, some Austinites would probably hang me by my toenails for liking the 2005 version, but you know they can't break um, social distancing now, so I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Uh, is it raccoons that are hanging out on your porch now, or who have been hanging out? You can just sick them on to um, any intruders. <laughs> we, or was it a possum or a we skunk? Have had, I can't remember. You've had. I've couple- had a skunk. I've had a skunk on my porch a couple of times and I've had a possum on my porch a couple of times. Um, oh, and it, yeah, I did have a record. I live in the middle of nowhere. They're my neighbors. Well, look at it this way. You can just yeah, sick the just local wildlife. And, yes, I'll go all Disney princess and just sick the wildlife on them and take that. That'd be fun. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've exhausted this chunk of the book um, as far as discussion. So I need to go uh, 
start listening again. I got a job, so uh, I well, I've I've had a job. My actual first day was during Snowmageddon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was an interesting, interesting week to start a new job with no power and no internet. But I still got paid, so I'm not going to. It can only go up exactly. It can only go up from here. So, um, but that said, I have to commute down to the office tomorrow. Which means I'm going to have a nice chunk of time to listen to another chunk of the book. Yay! And you're really just cruising through it because we're not doing this chapter by chapter or three chapters at a time. We're just chunks. Yeah, I was, I, so I was, is, I was, I was thinking about that. I was like, because you said that it's um, Pride and Podcast or is that the name of the other one? Um, Pod and Prejudice. Pod Prejudice. Um, yeah. You said that they were doing it uh, either chapter by chapter or a couple chapters at a time and listening. Yeah, to... it was like, depending on the the length of the chapter, it was like three or four chapters at a yeah, time. Yeah, and I was just like, thinking about it as I was listening, as I've listened to these first two chunks, I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to stop that frequently. <laughs> but I also, no, but I also consume the... books really, really quickly. Um, it's mm-hmm. not a conventional Lenten um thing but i am reading i finished child 44 which was a really good book um we'll talk more about it off and i'll see if you want to read it and maybe send it to you since i'm done with it um but uh my lenten thing is reading um kirsten laverne's daughter by um i can't think of her name right now she's a norwegian author or is she danish Mm mm-hmm I can't remember if she's Danish or Norwegian, but anyway, she, um, it's this big, thick, epic tome. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, I've been, I tried to start, I started it last year, actually at the beginning of the end times (laughs) and between (laughs) that and a high risk pregnancy and just all the chaos of last year, it felt like it was too heavy. But a lot of people mm-hmm. have said that it's really a spirit, even though it's a work of fiction, it's a really spiritually edifying book. Um, so that's my Lenten thing is to read through almost 1200 pages of this big novel. So Now, are you physically reading it? Or are you doing the No, I am physically reading it because I bought, because oh, wow. um, actually for Christmas, um, 2019 um we do a thing where um on saint nicholas day everybody gets a book mm-hmm. grown-ups too so that was the book that my husband got me um which consisted of us all going to half price books to pick books for the two children at the time and me walking down the shelf and going oh i wanted to read that and handing it here's my saint nicholas day book <laughs> <laughs> now you just have to buy me chocolate <laughs> So it works. So I've had the book for over a year. And um, like I said, I started it last February and I just, I restarted it when Lent started because it's just with all of the chaos because the chaos has just continued for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed kind of a lighter Lenten thing for myself. So, yeah. I think I tried listening to the audiobook around the same time last year. Like I was going back and forth to uh, the big town that we would go to homeschool co-op in. And so it was like a, a 45 minute drive one way. And so I was just consuming audiobooks left and right. And like I asked for recommendations and they're like, this is a long one. It's really, really good. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it. And then the fecal matter started to hit the rotary blades and it was just too dark and too Ex- much of a downer. Exactly. So I had exactly. To it's, it, it was away. just, it's, I, I read a lot of books last year and some of them were darker, but it's just something about this. And now that I'm reading, mm-hmm. now that I'm going through it, I'm glad that I'm reading it this year instead of last year. Um, so <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I honestly, I know a lot of people uh, I know have listened to it on audiobook. I don't know if I'd want to read it on audiobook, but that's for a very particular reason. Um, my husband is a medieval German philologist. 
So when I have questions about how things are pronounced or what the meaning might be or questions about medieval Germanic cultures, I can just kick him and ask him about it. Yeah. Versus if I was listening to an audiobook. Yeah, exactly. And the advantage of that is, well, at the audiobook, you get all the pronunciations and such. I can ask him to break it down for me a little bit, which I know is like a level of nerdity that not everybody um, does. But since I started learning German and because of who I'm married to, it's just languages are kind of a nerd um, thing that I've acquired because they're fun. (laughs) Specifically German language. I like to specifically Germanic languages because the grammar makes a lot more sense in my head than the romance language has ever did. I like to geek out about languages too. I follow at least one page on Facebook that posts like linguistic memes. And because I like my sense of humor is always play on words. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the linguistic play on words, like this in Spanish translates to this in English and um, there's a really funny joke that translates in English and Spanish, Portuguese and maybe Italian too about a cat because cat in Spanish is it's gato gato yeah and then it's... purgatory also has gato in it and then it also like that same working is in Portuguese and then I think Italian too don't quote me on that but it's it's one of my favorite things ever because it's a play on words in multiple languages and it just it thrills me in my little geeky heart. does that also have a play on the uh, film that we grew up with all dogs go to heaven because Gato is in mm. purgatory <laughs> I think so I think I think yeah I think that's it is all dogs go to heaven and cats go to purgatory. And something like that. I'll have to find it and send it to and you. And to end that note, fire ants go to hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. With that said, um, we need to probably wrap it up. Yes. And we will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for listening to Black. Harry's well, blue bonnet. Blue bonnet. <laughs> we'll get the name down eventually. <laughs> we, we will, because surely we'll be able to record more frequently, and we'll be able to remember the name of our own podcast. You, you mean I might not be without a power without power for a week, so we won't have to go a week and a half between recording sessions. I mean, at least not due to a snowstorm. I cannot vouch for hurricanes and tornadoes. That's true. So, yeah, but we can, you know. At least no more snowstorms, you know. I'm going to knock on wood. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) please subscribe. If you like what you hear, our rambling little tirades about literature and everything else, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram. And Facebook. We will see you guys there.